It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. Yep, and I am started up. I am way started up. What a day, what a day, what a day. Um, Today is Wednesday, and usually in my life, when it's Wednesday, it is Luca Day. So Luca Joseph Idala just walked into my office, which means there is a huge smile on my face um, because anytime I am around him, it is just, it, there's nothing better. Uh, and, you know, I didn't get mugged today. Woohoo! Yay! Uh, I walked around Midtown Manhattan. I left the office last night at 11 o'clock, 11.30 maybe. I walked uh, here around the city. I walked about half a mile, three quarters of a mile to where I would need to go and everything was safe. I had I didn't actually I didn't even see a homeless person. I mean I'm I'm on the the Fifth Avenue strip here and I'm passing through the monuments of New York, the St. Patrick's Cathedral and Rockefeller Center and all of the fancy stores. Uh, and then I walked east through a relatively quiet, desolate block. But I, I would report that uh, I, I did so with confidence. Uh, and then this morning, I, I take the same. I took the same walk back. I will tell you, I did see a, a fair amount of tourists. I noted that there were a fair amount of Italian tourists. I heard a lot of Italian uh, being spoken. I went into St. Patrick's Cathedral and, and said my prayer to St. Anthony. I lit three candles, um, which I always do. It's a whole thing. Those for those are the people who aren't here anymore. Those are the people who are here, and then those are the people who need it the most. Uh, I will say St. Patrick's Cathedral was not overly packed with tourists, uh, as it usually is, but it is nice to get that vibe back in the city of New York that, you know, we're, we're up and we're running, <clears throat> but you have to have your head in the sand to not uh, realize what's going on with all of these shootings. And, you know, um, Brooke... Schwartz, who just came back from a long vacation here at ABK, she took a day off, but for us it seemed like forever because she's such a vital part of the team. You know, she gave me all of these statistics. And I know of anyone who read the news today, and it's late in the day, so I'm not telling you anything you don't know or haven't heard between sitting in the back of a cab or on an elevator when you're looking at the little screen or obviously the phone in your hand or if uh, you know any type of radio or TV you're listening to. You know, it's it's the, the amount of shootings that are going on, the amount of shootings that took place over the weekend. It has to be so frustrating. I mean, obviously, it's tragic, right? So let's talk about it's tragic for the people who died. It's tragic for if you extrapolate it out, every one person that dies, how many hundreds, if not thousands of people who are affected by losing that person in such a tragic, sudden way. People of all ages are dying and, and all sizes and all colors and all genders. And there's no uh, no one in this particular area right now is discriminating. Uh, I know in Buffalo there was a lot of discrimination in the shooting. But, um, I, you know, I, I don't know what advice I could give to the mayor who was a guest on the show or his chief of staff, my good friend Frank, or to the police commissioner. There's no obvious fix um, except to just keep at it. You know, last night um, I was standing in the window of the Ferrari, looking in the window of the Ferrari dealership on 55th Street and Park Avenue, right uh, down the block from the Friars Club of where I'm the president. And um, a young Asian man, he must have been, I don't know, 22, 23, 24 and he said, you know, I could get one of these cars one of these days. You know, what do I have to do to get one of these cars? I said, well, I said, you know, set your alarm for 530, be up and ready to go at six o'clock in the morning 
and continue to do your work until 11, 12 o'clock at night. You know, do that 18 hours a day for, I don't know, a decade or two or three, and you'll be able to spend $600,000. Maybe it's $700,000 on the new electric Ferrari. Um, And then he asked me a question, and he said, well, what kind of job should I do? And I said, if you're fortunate enough, you'll find a job that you love to do and you're good at. Um, and that is something that um, I truly believe. I will tell you this. I lifted it from Bill O'Reilly. I was fortunate enough when John Katsimatidis uh, and the PAL hosted Mr. O'Reilly uh, at one of their lunches. Uh, I asked a question if he was speaking because at these PAL lunches, it's all adults and people who are donating to the Police Athletic League. And I said, if uh, you were speaking, Mr. O'Reilly, to a bunch of 14, 15, 16-year-old kids, you know, what advice would you give them? And that was basically the advice that he gave was said, you know, find something you love, but something you're good at. You may love playing baseball. You may love playing basketball, but, you know, you're not going to be a professional ball player. Um I, somehow or another, I found myself in a position to do what I enjoy doing, um, mostly because I do feel like I'm making a difference. And even when I'm not making a difference, I'm failing at trying <laughs> to make a difference. Uh, of course, we all want to succeed. But it, you know, to do something where you feel you're dedicating a piece of yourself to society to make the world a little bit of a better place... Uh, reward you with a sense of gratification that you can only get under certain circumstances. And you could look at that in any profession. I'm, I'm not just talking about the law. Uh, my friend Sean, who owns the men's clothing store uh, in Manhattan where I shop, and, you know, he outfits tons of people. He put Luca's uh, tuxedo together for uh, Mary and my wedding. Uh, and, you know, he's it makes me and Imran and the rest of our law firm look pretty good when we go into a courtroom. When he puts his head on the pillow, he should feel pretty good about what he does. The people who work in the restaurants, the people, uh, you know, I was lucky when I was in the Brooklyn District Attorney's Office. One of my immediate supervisors, well, two of them, I should say, Emilio Grillo and Joe Rosa, uh, who were a whopping like year and a half ahead of me in the office. They said to me when I started as a, an ADA and, you know, you're now you're a lawyer and you have this shield in your pocket and you're a part of law enforcement. And they said, just remember one thing. Everyone in this office this is a 1,200, 1,300 people. Everyone in this office is more more essential and more uh, more important than you are. Because the people in the stenography pool, there used to be something called a stenography pool, without them typing up the motions, the motions don't get done. The guy, Joe Menino, who's in charge of the maintenance for the whole building, without him regulating the temperature and making sure all the garbage is picked up, without him, this would be an uninhabitable work environment. So just remember where you stand in society and you'll be in good shape. And I try to do that. Um, and so my long-winded point is... Walking through the streets of Manhattan, as unsafe as we're reading they are in in the reports. I did it last night. I did it this again this morning. I am happy to report that from what I saw, everything was okay. But if I was going to speak to the mayor or the police commissioner, they are working their tail off. We heard the mayor say he gets up at five o'clock every morning. He's out, you know, all night long, literally. Um, we could talk about that another time. But it's not like they're sleeping on the job. I'm in touch with pe- the people in City Hall. Saturday, Sunday, they, you know, they're, they're on it. They are doing their best. I'm just hoping that time, time, the element of time, has something to do with crime and the new, uh, the new policies that he has, that the mayor and the police commissioner have, in, in making crime better. I mean, I, there's an article in the paper today, or maybe it was yesterday, pardon me for the confusion, but so many police officers are resigning and they need more police officers that they're lowering the standards for the test to be a police officer. Now, I may be looking at this the wrong way, but I would do just the opposite. I would raise the tests, but I would also raise the salary. I believe a police officer, when you're starting out, I think you make about $60,000. I would double it. Somehow or another, I would find the fat in the budget that Eric Adams always spoke about during the campaign that he wanted to trim. 
and I would find that fat and I would move that fat over to the NYPD budget. I would upfund the police, forget about defund the police, and I would make the job as much as a profession as being a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant, a school teacher. I would put it at that level so that you could raise a family. That you could pay for schooling, you could do your housing, whatever you need. You could live in one of the five boroughs. Maybe start you off at a bucket a quarter, one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars a year. I would have, I would raise the educational standards and really make as low. Although I believe the NYPD is the best fighting force on the planet for a urban fighting force, I think that we could always make things better. And by raising the salary and by raising the standards, you would attract people who say, hey, I'm not looking for a $60,000 a year job. I'm looking for a $120,000 a year job. And the NYPD is what I'm looking for. So um, I'm not asking for anyone to become a chameleon. But we're going to come back with a psychiatrist who's going to talk about these mass shootings from a psychiatric point of view. Don't go away. We'll be right back. So talking about people who work their tail off, um, that's my friend Mike Connors and the lawyers at Connors and Sullivan, and they're working hard studying all the new laws, all the new tax laws, all the new estate laws, so that they could guide you and make sure that you're protected and your estate is protected. And uh, you know, one of the things that you have to keep in mind is. Uh, you may not always be in good shape to make all of these decisions for you, whether it's you're not you're with us, but you're unable to communicate or you leave us suddenly, as so many of these poor, tragic people have done in all of these different states over the last weeks and months. So what you should do is now, when you're healthy, when you're fine, make an appointment with Connors and Sullivan to sit down and go over your estate or your potential estate, your will, your power of attorney, your health care proxy, your living will, your overall estate plan. Connors and Sullivan, they're there to protect your rights and your interests. They've been helping people like you plan their estates and protect their families for over 40 years, and they're going to give you a no-obligation free consultation. Call Connors and Sullivan today to schedule a free in-person initial consultation with an attorney at any of their convenient locations in Brooklyn, Manhattan, Queens, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500, or visit their website at connorsandsullivan.com. And remember what Mike Connors always says, the biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is not planning at all. Craving that signature Sunday sauce? Michaels of Brooklyn will make your place a must. Join Michaels of Brooklyn Sauce of the Month Club. Receive a different jar of Michaels of Brooklyn pasta sauce, homemade pasta and biscotti each month for six months. Make your home the place to be with Michaels of Brooklyn's signature fresh marinara right in your home. Visit michaelsofbrooklyn.com and order online. That's michaelsofbrooklyn.com. Michaels of Brooklyn, serving the community since 1964. Today, it's Wellness Wednesday on Radio Night Live with Kevin McCullough. Sponsored by Balance of Nature, the whole fruit and vegetable capsule delivering your maximum nutrition in every dose. 100% whole food nutrition with the taste, smell, and color of pure fruits and veggies as nature intended just for you. Try them now and see for yourself. 35% off and free shipping. Call now, 800-2468-751 or balanceofnature.com. And don't miss Wellness Wednesday tonight at 7 p.m. on AM 970. The answer. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Driving ambition for 40 years in the United States, Mitsubishi Motors sees the automotive industry differently. Mitsubishi challenges convention with innovative approaches in the way Mitsubishi engineers and builds their vehicles. Just look at the all-new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander, now in stock in all trim levels and all with the flexibility of third-row seating. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today. FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732 so I just um 
asked Joan. She checked the stats. So a NYPD officer makes $42,000 a year starting salary. And they say, what, after five years, you're at 85. You know, if you're starting off as a police officer, I guess at 21, 22, not that bad. If you're starting off a police officer is 26, 27, and you're married and you have a kid, let's face it, $42,000 is not a lot of money. Um, you know, that the price, the price of housing, I guess, is probably least expensive. This is a non-scientific uh, analysis here, but probably in Staten Island. That's why I, you, know, you see a lot of uh, folks who work for the city live on Staten Island. But there are not too many places in Brooklyn that if you're a single, uh, if you're the only breadwinner and you're married and you have a kid and you're making $42,000 a year and that's your only income, that is, you know, you got to take taxes out of that. Then you're not just paying. It's not going right in your slide. You know, there's there's Uncle Sam, there's uh, Aunt Hokel, there's Uncle uh, Eric Adams. You, you know, plot, everyone's getting a little piece of that forty two thousand dollars. So, <clears throat> Arthur Idala's opinion is find some more money, offer police officers more money as the starting salary, give them potential to make more money, raise the educational standards, raise the physical standards. And, you know, really make a a good fighting force, a better fighting force, and make it the best fighting force. Although, as I said, I'm not saying there's anyone better, but as my grandfather told me, and you've heard this so many times, good, better, best. Never let it rest until the good gets better and the better gets best. And someone who has applied that to her area of expertise is our next guest, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Carol is a doctor and she's a board board certified Beverly Hills psychiatrist and an award-winning and best-selling author. She was trained at NYU Bellevue and at Anna Freud's London Clinic. She has served on the clinical faculty of UCLA's Neuropsychiatric Institute for many years. Welcome to the show, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thanks for finding the time for us. How are you? Thank you so very much. Well, doctor, we're hearing about so much tragedy, so much tragedy. I have a list in front of me of all of these shootings, these mass shootings over the last year and a half from 2021 and to 20 so to present day. And we could go back and back and back. And the, the horror stories that we read about Highland Park and about fathers shielding their little kids and saving them. He got killed. The mom got killed, but the little toddler lived. Another dad throwing his kid in the garbage dumpster, which was metal to save the baby. You know, Buffalo, you know, all the kids down in Texas. You know, you could go back to Connecticut with the kids that got killed over there. What, you know, Florida, everywhere you look. So, uh, and even though you hear about some of these incidents happening in other places in the world, I don't think it's not nearly, the coverage at least, is not nearly the same as what we're hearing here in the United States of America. So, doctor, you know, you study the brain, you study people's uh, psychology uh, and their behavior. Do you have any, any answers for us? <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, and I'm a forensic psychiatrist and expert witness, so uh, I see this from both all kinds of sides. There is a pattern to these mass shooters. It's been the same pattern since at least Columbine, and I have been trying to educate people about this pattern, but it is so much easier for the some politicians to just have a reflex if there's a mass shooting, oh, well, we got to ban guns. And it's not about the guns. It's about, um, well, there's this pattern that I'll tell you about, and it starts with the family, a dysfunctional family. And it could be dysfunctional because there's abuse of the child, physical, sexual abuse, or even just abuse by neglect, which is very serious because a lot of these shooters want to get attention. They want to become famous. They feel... um, you know, hopeless of getting fame any other way or feeling like they have a purpose any other way. Then uh, also divorce contributes to it, uh, dysfunctional families. Then a lot of times there's mental illness, um, and they either get no therapy or inadequate therapy. There's problems in school, uh, either with grades or with being bullied or being isolated. There is drugs and alcohol, um, added, you know, for example, 
um, Bobby Cremo from from the parade, the July Fourth parade. Um, he was a stoner. He his family was incredibly dysfunctional. Just to go back to that, um, his mother, you know, was was uh, convicted of domestic battery in a car in 2015. Um, it's not clear who was the victim, but it might have been him. She ha- she's has she's very strange <laughs> in a number of different ways. Um, his parents are divorced. Uh, the coach said that um, that family, he and his siblings, were always the last to be picked up from after-school sports, and that the mother, there was no love, especially from the mother, and that she seemed to act like these kids were a burden. And um, he, one of the most important things is that they're, they have an obsession with violent video games. And um, for Bobby Cremo, his particular favorite was Hitman, and he saw himself as the star of Hitman, the video game, and and that was Agent Forty Seven. You know, there's been talk about he's obsessed with the number. Yeah, I saw his. Well. Yeah, I saw his car has a number forty seven yeah. on it. What's the forty seven all about? It, that is, it's Agent Forty Seven from this Hitman game. So he fancies himself as Agent Forty Seven. You know, the guy who kills the most people. Uh, as in the game. And, um, yeah, his car, he has a tattoo on his face, 47. Some people are saying um, that maybe that has something to do with the date that he picked because, you know, 7-4, backwards, 47. But I think really it was more about that it was July 4th, um, you know, Independence Day. Then um, he, he was known to law enforcement. Uh, in 2019, they called him to their house, the father, um, because he was suicidal. The first time was because he was suicidal. The second time was because he was threatening to kill the whole family. And what the police did was turn it over to some therapist. And um, and it just got lost there, like what they should have done was, would be to hospitalize him against his will. In a, Could in you a imagine what those families feel like, Dr.? Dr. Carol Lieberman, the families of those lost, what they feel like, that, that the police were called and it was assigned to a therapist and this could yes. have been avoided. Yes. You know, this has happened so many times. For example, um, the young man in, in Buffalo, um, he had a year before uh, his teacher over Zoom, his teacher asked you know, what are people going to be doing after graduation? And he said that he wanted to um, kill a, a bunch of people. He said, in fact, to kill people at graduation. And so he was referred to the police and um, and then referred to some mental health, you know, some unknown mental health person. And, I mean, I must say, as a psychiatrist, you know, I, I find this, and there's so many cases of this, where people are turned over to some kind of, you know, whether a psychiatrist, psychologist, marriage and family therapist, whatever, and they don't do the right thing. You so, know? yeah, let, Dr. Dr. Carol you know, this is your area of expertise. So let's talk about what should happen. So the police get called in either of these scenarios. The family is reaching out to help for help, right? We can't control this kid. Either in one case he's going to kill himself, in another case he's going to kill us. Now, here in New York City, Eric Adams, when he was the candidate, campaigned on the fact that Police officers aren't social workers. They're not psychiatrists. So it seems like the police officers here did the right thing, and they reached out to someone who does have an area of expertise, and those folks obviously didn't, they did not follow through, to say the least. What should happen if Dr. Carol Lieberman gets a call from a sergeant in the police department that says, I got a kid here who's got tattoos on his face, Let's start off with that, okay? I mean, yeah. not too many people are walking around with tattoos on their face. Well, you know, Mike Tyson uh, aside, and, and Mike Tyson isn't 18, 19, 20 years old. Uh, you know, he's saying he's going to kill people. He's saying he wants to kill people uh, on graduation day. Dr. Lieberman, wh- what do you want us to do with this young man? Well, you know, there's such a thing in most states as a 72-hour hold, which means that you can... Um, hospitalize someone against their will if they if you think they are a danger to self themselves or a danger to others or if they can't provide uh, food and shelter for themselves so clearly with you know bobby cremo he fit that definition of danger to self and danger to others um 
and you know, and the other. Okay, so now what happens? So now Dr. Carol Lieberman says, "Okay, I find I've interviewed this kid in this hospital setting. I find that he's a danger to himself. Seventy-two hours is up. Now what happens?" Well, after seventy-two hours, then they go. If you want to keep them in the hospital, uh, they go before some uh, representative of the court, and the psychiatrist makes a case for why they should be kept longer than that. And, you know, I trained at NYU Bellevue, so we would lock people up at the drop of a hat, and they all needed it. Um, so, so you know, I, these days, um, I think a lot of mental health professionals are afraid of being sued. Um, I mean, they're wimps. <laughs> they're wimps. That's all I can tell you. Uh, and they don't do the right thing. And, of course, really the um, responsibility primarily, of course, is with the parents who should have made sure that he continued with therapy. In each of these cases, um, in, in Buffalo, in uh, Ethan, Ethan Crumbly is another good example, because his parents were told he had asked for help. You know, they have they see in his diaries and so on about how he asked his father for help. And the father said, suck it up. And he gave him some pills with pills of whatever. Oh, so, um, Dr. Carol Lieberman, this is what I want to ask you. So let's just say you go you go before the court and the court says, OK, you, you can hold on to this guy for 30 days. What takes place in a medical facility in Bellevue, right, which is the king of all places for these things? What takes place in those 30 days to try to change the trajectory uh, that this person, this young person is on? Well, you know, generally it is um, therapy. Usually it's group therapy uh, and medication. And, um, you know, nowadays they try, people, hospitals try to even, they don't necessarily even ask for 30 days. It depends on what kind of insurance you have. (laughs) This really all goes back to uh, the closing of the county and state mental hospitals um, where there, now there aren't as many beds who should be in it for 30 plus days. You know, they used to be in them for months. And yes, there were some cuckoo nest hospitals, but for the most part, they really helped people and people need more than 30 days. Now, you know, in a lot of cases after the three days, they would just, they give them a prescription and send them out the door. And the problem is that a lot of these people, not just these potential uh, shooters, but just in general, patients, a lot of them, they stop taking the pills. Nobody's watching them to, you know, they don't go back for um, sessions unless somebody is watching them, like parents, you know. Um, and then and then they have mental problems again. They, they flare up again. So do you, should it be, I'm trying to think of a solution. So there should be some sort of like almost, maybe not lifetime probation, but like five years as we do in the criminal justice system of some sort of probation where you've got to check in with a counselor or somebody once, first it should be twice a week. And then if everything seems going okay, once a week, then if everything's going okay, once every other week, and then once a month, is that the kind of program we should be putting people yes, on? Yes, that would be great. But really, yes, that would be a, a great idea. Um, you know, as a way to not uh, charge them with a, you know, a crime. But um, what really needs to happen, even in addition to that, is parents need to be educated in terms of the red flags, you know, and, and what to, well, first of all, how to be good parents, no abuse, no neglect, and that kind of thing. Um, but also how to know, how to recognize the red flags. I mean, Robert Cremo was giving red flags. Uh, you know, you, it's a forest of red flags. And he did these videos, rap videos. And I don't know if you had a chance to see them yet, but they were really very good, uh, very talented. And um, But there were clues in these videos, uh, visual clues, the words that he said. You, you could tell from this, you know, that, that there was something brewing. So the yeah, ball, the ball was dropped on a lot of levels. Is that is that fair yeah. to say, Doctor Carol? What a tragedy! Exactly. We've run out of time, Doctor. I really hope you find time to come back on this show again. You're so insightful, and you speak in a way that is so understandable for someone of your brilliance. So thank you very, very much. And uh, if it makes you feel better, there aren't just wimps in your field. There's plenty of wimps in my field as well, uh, <laughs> the law, who aren't willing to do the right thing. But thank you, Doctor Carol uh-huh. Lieberman. We hope you'll join us again. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with an author who's written a book about the military and what it's like coming out of the military and re-entering our society again. Don't go away. We'll be right back. People do some pretty cool things in their 40s and 50s, like go back to college. 
Learn to skateboard? Whoa. Okay, maybe that one's not for everybody. But saving for retirement is. At aceyourretirement.org, you can get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. Just have a free three-minute chat with the friendly digital retirement coach, Avo, and receive personalized tips to help boost your savings. Start chatting with Avo today at aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. This is an important notice to consumers facing $10,000 or more in credit card debt, medical bills, or other unsecured debt. You're not required to pay it all back because there are special programs now in effect that will significantly reduce the amount you will owe if you qualify. This is not bankruptcy or a debt consolidation loan. These programs, which the credit card companies like to keep secret, exist to aid American consumers struggling with overwhelming credit card debt by offering tremendous savings and real debt relief. Accredited Debt Relief has established a special hotline for you to call and learn what savings you qualify for. They've helped qualify consumers with over a billion dollars in debt and are A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau. So don't wait. Get the relief you need during these hard economic times. For this free information, call the Accredited Debt Relief Hotline now. Call 800-786-2300. 800-786-2300. That's 800-786-2300. A journey to Israel this November will impact you forever. Join Sebastian Gorka, Dinesh D'Souza, and our trusted travel partner, Inspiration Cruises and Tours, for 10 life-changing days. Register today at StandWithIsraelTour.com. Hi, Kevin McCullough. Uh, what is the latest when it comes to the mental wellness of the shooter that did all that damage in Highland Park? We will discuss with Dr. Jeanette Nishwad of the Fox News Medical All-Stars tonight at 7. Join us for Radio Night Live. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored in part by the good people at Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey. America's been thunderstruck by the all-new 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander. Get high style without the high price, plus an industry-leading 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Drive one today at Freehold Mitsubishi for the best selection and outstanding customer service. Just a short ride from anywhere in the metro tri-state area. Visit FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732-863-2788. We're back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour with New York City's preeminent trial attorney and quintessential New Yorker, attorney Arthur Idala. We are starting you up on a Wednesday in New York City. We're almost done with the show. It just flew by today, but we got a great guest coming up right now. I thought Carol Lieberman, Dr. Carol Lieberman was great. I think she added so much, and she made me a little bit sad because um, we could, it seems like we could avoid some of these tragedies if people kind of stepped up a little bit more and um, realized the consequences of not going full tilt. Some of the things she said were just so upsetting, like, oh, there's not enough money, the insurance policy, that's how long they keep people for. Man, if you lost someone in any of these shootings and you hear that, you have to be out of your mind, enraged, enraged, enraged. Um, speaking of someone who probably knows what it's like to be enraged since he's been in the battlefield is our next guest, Benjamin Fl Sledge. But those of us who are cool and know him well, we just call him Sledge. He um, has a book that just, just, just came out um, called Where Cowards Go to Die, Where Cowards Go to Die. Quote, a former soldier awarded the Bronze Star and Purple Heart tells the story of overcoming the mental and physical wounds of war on a 15-year odyssey that led him back to the very place where his nightmares began and the only place redemption was possible. Welcome to the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Sledge, how are you, my man? I'm good. I'm good. You nailed it. Sledge. That's what everybody calls me. Everybody else has been asking, can we call you Ben? But you nailed it. No, listen, listen, Sledge, and I, and I saw some of the artwork on your arms. I'm thinking about doing that on the top of my head, just like go with flames, like shooting off the top of my head from like my eyebrows down to the back of my neck. But I don't know. I don't think that would really work for me in the courtroom. Um, what, did your book come out yesterday, today, tomorrow? Uh, it came out yesterday, uh, yesterday. July 5th. Uh, they, they wanted to piggyback on the July 4th weekend. Congratulations, man. That is fantastic. Give, uh, give our listeners a little, a little brief synopsis of, of what the book is all about. 
Sure. Uh, so one of the one of the things that I tell a lot of people is is a lot of the stories coming out of Iraq and Afghanistan are either broken or they're just incomplete, and a lot of it revolves around our heroic exploits or something that we've done uh, to where people, you know, they thank us for our service. But the reality of the situation is, is that we had the longest running wars in the history of the United States with no draft in which men and women were forced to do repeated back to back to back tours. And it, it realistically took our toll, a toll on us. And then on top of that, we were fighting a violent insurgency and terrorism uh, to where we often were forced to make decisions that were morally ambiguous. And out of that, it, uh, it really just encompasses my journey as kind of a young kid growing up in the 1980s and, and 90s um, who in Sledge, how old are you now? Military. Sledge, I'm how old are you now? I'm about to turn 41. Okay, so you said you had to make decisions that were morally ambiguous. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Sure. There's a story in my book that I that I talk about where I am in Ramadi, and this is in 2006 during the surge. Uh, that's where uh, Chris Kyle and Jocko Willink and all those guys were during that time period. It was just kind of the epicenter of hell at that point. And we um, we were on the clearing operation, and across the way, two of my teammates were engaged in a uh, firefight. I was about to say confrontation, but it's all firefight, holding down a rooftop by themselves um, against about 20 insurgents. And I was on a combat outpost uh, watching these kind of smoke plumes billow in the background, and we began taking fire, and I point my rifle down near where we're taking fire, and I stop, and my, my heart lurches in my throat because there's a six-year-old girl in a yellow dress carrying munitions. And I, the, the worst part about it was that I knew her because I had met her, and she had hung around the combat outpost we were at. Everybody called her the flower girl. And, and Sledge, uh, what, kept, what is she carrying? She's carrying munitions, uh, like bombs, weaponry, explosives, that kind of stuff. And, and, they, they and, would, and, they and she's heading. She's that. heading. Tor- she's heading towards you guys. She's heading towards where my friends are pinned down. Okay. Go ahead. I'm, so, on the edge of, I'm literally on the edge of my seat. Go ahead. Right. So, um, one of the guys that I'm with, he's the first sergeant of the outpost. He hands me his rifle, and it has a high-powered scope, and he just tells me to take a look. And, um, and in that moment, you know, he kind of, he kind of chides me and says, you know, you can shoot her technically. And she's an enemy combatant at this point. And, um, I, I can tell he's kind of messing with me, but like, you know, it's that devil and angel moment on your shoulder. And you're like, what do I do? Is this going to haunt me the rest of my life? You know, do I sign my friend's death warrant or potentially I didn't know it was them at the time. Um, or do I shoot an innocent girl that the insurgents had used, knowing that we would either have to kill a child or um, our friends would die? And isn't so that, that isn't day, that like the scene in an American Sniper? Isn't that a scene from the movie yeah. American Sniper? It's just like that, and I've, and it was it was wild. And unfortunately, some of the guys I knew um, did have to make that decision when they had, you know, teenagers with AK-47s run at them or lay out, uh, you know, just uh, IEDs in the road. Uh, I made the decision not to that day. And, you know, the first sergeant slapped me on the back and said, I made the right choice and everything. And, and my friends survived, but, uh, some people in combat were not that lucky. And there is a moment in Afghanistan where we were launching mortars, and I'm not sure uh, whether or not we did kill a child. And that's that's in the book, too. And so that's, there's just been things that have haunted me um, because in war, you're going to have collateral damage like that, unfortunately. So we're talking to Benjamin Sledge. He is now an author, an author of the book that was came out yesterday called Where Cowards Go to Die. I'm assuming you could find it on Barnes and Nobles and all the regular sites, correct, uh, Sledge? That's correct. And um, Sledge, let's talk about reentry back into civilization and back into civilian life here in America. Let's talk about how difficult that's been. That was extremely difficult because... And, and I write about this, too, and I, and I tell people this often. It's one minute you are literally overseas with people trying to kill you, and then you're on a, a plane 
back to America and everybody else has just kind of been checked out for the last 20 years. You know, it was like the first two years, everybody was down with the war effort. And then, you know, the last 18, they were just like, okay, whatever, you know, we're still in these things. And so nobody really cares that you, you've gotten home. Um, so instead it becomes kind of this moment where you, you get off this plane and everybody is excited about seasonal holiday drinks. You know, it's pumpkin spice latte season. And you're just like, oh, God, you know, what? what is going on in this world uh, that I just came from? And, and the choices and just the, the way that you felt when you were overseas where you had a, a clear mission, a purpose, a direction, and then you return to an environment where – it's just kind of an afterthought and Americans have continued to live their lives. They wonder why you're not up to date on like the latest movies and music. Um, and it just kind of feels all bland and you don't have that camaraderie and then you re-enter the workforce. Right. Uh, so once you re-enter the workforce, you're used to having people that would die for you. They would gladly take a bullet for you. And then everybody's trying to trample each other up on their way up to the top. Or, you know, your boss is letting you catch the proverbial That's such a great point. Well, they're making money. That is, yeah, that, is, so, that, is, that is such a great point. We're talking to Benjamin Sledge. He is the author of a brand new book called Where Cowards Go to Die. Uh, how, how many years were you in the service? Oh, I should say, how many years were you overseas? How many years were you overseas, Sledge? I was overseas for four years. Okay, that's a long time. I hope you can hear the music that our man Alex has decided to play in your honor. There we go. Ladies and gentlemen, here on the author, here on the author Idala Power Hour, we are proud to have veteran uh, Benjamin Sledge. Go out and buy his book. Go go online, buy his book, Where Cowards Go to Die. Sledge, thank you for your service. You know, it, it, there's a lot of bloodshed for the freedoms that we all have and the independence that we have in this country. And you're a big part of that. And we honor you and we thank you. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. Anytime you want to come back, Sledge, just pick up the phone and call in. Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Mitsubishi dreamers, designers, and engineers are redefining choices in mobility for a whole new generation of independent, modern, and savvy consumers who want value, like the new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander featuring its industry-leading Mitsubishi 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today, freeholdmitsubishi.com, or call 732-863-2788. Thanks, everyone, for baking your way here on this toasty morning. Are you all ready to jam? Excellent. Before we get rolling, let's start by hashing out everything bagel we'll be discussing. Profit margins are okay, but they could maybe be butter. Sorry, I don't mean to waffle. Next quarter, it's all or muffin. Did you have a question, sausage patty? Um, my name's Patricia. When you can't take your mind off breakfast, it matters where you stay. Delicious breakfast available at our Hilton family of brands. Hilton, for the stay. If you have certain chronic conditions, such as heart disease, asthma, diabetes, and you're 19 years of age or older, 52, 36, 42, you may be at increased risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, pneumococcal 20-valent conjugate vaccine, a Pfizer vaccine that can help protect against pneumococcal pneumonia in just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. The most commonly reported side effect was pain at the injection site. For additional common side effects and full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. I'm going to ask my doctor about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20. In an era where it's tough to know which news outlet to trust, at a time where it's difficult to find facts, not just opinion, there is an oasis in the news desert. It's the Cats Roundtable. John Katsimatidis, the personification of the American dream, who built a multi-billion dollar business empire, talks with some of the nation's top newsmakers who are shaping the news cycle in the city, the country, and the world. Catch the Cats Roundtable every Sunday morning, starting at 8 on AM 970. The answer. Today, it's Wellness Wednesday on Radio Night Live with Kevin McCullough. 
sponsored by Balance of Nature. The whole fruit and vegetable capsule delivering your maximum nutrition in every dose. 100% whole food nutrition with the taste, smell, and color of pure fruits and veggies. That's nature intended just for you. Try them now and see for yourself. 35% off and free shipping. Call now, 800-2468-751 or balanceofnature.com. And don't miss Wellness Wednesday tonight at 7 p.m. on AM 970. The Answer. Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970. The Answer. Enjoyed those two interviews very much. So, I thought the doctor was great, giving us a lot of insight, and uh, I thought Sledge was great. I mean, he's sacrificed a lot for this country. Luca, do you know uh, what song that just was? It was just playing. Yes, I do. What song was it? Susu Studio. And who's it by? Phil Collins. And what band was Phil Collins in when he wasn't just Phil Collins? Genesis. All right. And um, the reason why we played that, Luca, was. In 1985, which in my mind, Luca, is one of the greatest years of my life because it was my last semester of poly prep of high school, and um, uh, I was listening to music nonstop. Uh, I was a big, big fan of Phil Collins, although Susu Studio wasn't like, you know, I, it don't matter to me. Um, Hello was, I believe, the name of the album. Glenn would know uh, that I was totally into It Don't Matter to Me. And, well, th- the whole album is just great. Um, there's a bunch of birthdays today that I uh, I didn't know of. George W. Bush, the former president of the United States. Now, Alex, did you did you draw this up for me? I definitely did. Yes. yes yeah. Yes, yes. Okay. So you, you, you put down that his, today he's 58 years old. I'm like... There's no way he's 58 years old. He wasn't that young when he was the president. So, I mean, I'm not calling you out, but I am a little bit calling you out because I did fact check you. And uh, he's actually 76 years that old. That makes more sense, actually. Yeah, no, makes a little bit more sense. He was born in New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, I do not believe that he is going to go down as uh, amongst the greatest presidents of the United States. Although I do think, in retrospect, his stock may rise to some degree. Uh, because right now he's pretty much towards the bottom of any list that you look at. Uh, he kind of came in pretty strong with the whole 9-11 and getting us back on track, but then we kind of went off track, and when we ended his presidency, we were perilously close in the subprime mortgage situation to having our whole economy crumble. I spoke earlier about the Police Athletic League and John Katzimatidi's luncheons that we attend um, and uh, I remember during that period of time, John Katzmatidis had um, Chuck Schumer, the senator, and he gave a riveting lecture about how they were all in the Oval Office with President Bush. I don't know if President-elect Obama was there at the time, but he was around it because he was the president-elect, although he made clear that the world knew there was only one president in the United States, and until January 20th, it was George W. Bush. But uh, uh, Senator Schumer talked about who was in the room, the head of Goldman Sachs, I think the head of Lehman Brothers, which was about to collapse, with the Barclays people, uh, the GM was there, and Chrysler was there, and it was... You could have heard a pin drop. He could have spoken Yankee Stadium, Chuck Schumer, the way he was describing what had taken place in the Oval Office, or maybe I should just say in the White House, amongst really the economic leaders of the United States of America, if not of the free world, and how they were putting together plans to save our economy. Uh, and, you know, it was it was scary. There's no doubt about that. Scarier than anything that's going on now. Yeah, Grant, Grant, uh Price of gas is through the roof, and they're, they're, there's inflation. But that was that was scary times, um, Luca. It's also the birthday of someone who's apparently, if we're going to trust Alex, even though we didn't trust him on the age. But according to Alex, it's also the birthday of someone named Michael Sylvester Gardenzio Stallone. And you happen to know? Would you know who that is? I do. Yes. And who is that? 
an actor who was in Rocky and Rambo. Now, have you seen those movies at the ripe old age of 15 and uh, 51 weeks old? I have seen both of them. And can you give a review of, of like, do you have, did you prefer one over another? Um, I preferred uh, Rambo over Rocky. Really? Wow, it's a powerful statement. Okay. Now, what makes you go with the Rambo over the Rocky? I just think it was more, like, interesting how, like, the whole, like, running away from the cops part of it. And how he goes up into the hills and he lives off the land and all that stuff. Yes. Yeah, well, it's definitely more of a... Rambo is much more of an action movie, uh, whereas Rocky, even though it's known as a, you know, a boxing movie, there's a lot of... The undercurrent really is all about a love story between him and, you know, the woman who works in the pet store. Yes. And then they, you know, they finally kiss and he's got two, he's got two little, um, turtles. Do you know what their names were? I forget. Cuff and Link, like cufflinks. Yeah. Pretty good, right? Yeah, that is good. Um, I, I am a big Sylvester Stallone fan and, you know, Luki, he wrote Rocky and, um, legend has it that when he was, he wrote the screenplay, he wrote the script and when he was trying to sell it. People were willing to buy it, but they wanted someone else to play Rocky, and he wouldn't sell it to them unless they agreed to have, be, have him uh, to have him be the one to play. He said, "I'm I'm the one who wrote this. I'm the one who understands the whole nuances, and I have to play the role of Rocky." You think they made the right decision of having Sylvester Stallone play Rocky? They didn't make the right decision. And there's some Academy Awards in there. Now, my friend Darren just sent me a text, and he's like, you know, how could Luca pick Rambo over Rocky? But, you know, if you're f probably Luca watched it when he was 14, 15 years old, although the fight scene is cool, Rambo, it's all you're blowing things up, you're killing people, they blow up the whole gas station, there's explosions. You know, it, it's pretty cool. Now, when you get to Rocky Three and you got Clubber Lang and the insanity of that, that's a, that's a, a whole other um, level of excitement and boxing. And Mickey dies, he has the heart attack. In case you don't uh, realize it, I'm a big fan of the whole Rocky Enterprise. Right into Creed. Creed 1 is a great movie. Creed 2 is a great movie. Um, Luca, we only got a minute left. Tell everyone, I just got your report card. You got straight A's. Congratulations for the whole your whole sophomore year. You're now in the National Honor Society because of your grades and your personality and the way you conduct yourself uh, in school. What are you doing for the summer? I'm doing a CIT program. What does CIT stand for? Counselor in training. And um, how old are the children that you're supervising? Three, four, and five. And how old is your brother Arthur? Five. So you got some good training at home, right? Yes. Are you, are you enjoying being a counselor in training? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm still getting used to it, but yes. All right. Well, maybe now, you know, Mayor and I could step back and you could be in charge of Arthur at the house. How do you feel about that? Uh, I feel fine. You'll take uh, care of Arthur and his cousin Gerard? Yeah. All right. You're the man, Luca. I am uh, going to sign off. I'm going to go back to uh, doing some legal work. I'll have Luca be some patient. I have one more memo to read. It's 15 pages. It's a sentencing memorandum uh, for a federal sentencing that's due on Friday. So I want to get it out of the way. I hope you guys have a wonderful night. I hope you're home or at least you're on your way home. You're going to have a nice dinner. It looks like it's clearing up outside. And uh, I'm excited to talk to you guys again tomorrow. So please tune in to the Arthur Idola Power Hour. Love the you, program see you soon. sponsored by Freehold Mitsubishi.